This Easter, you can make a difference in people's lives around the world by giving to any of these three Easter offerings, Brazil, Haiti, and Vietnam. Let's take a closer look at what we're doing to help those in these regions. Haiti is one of the most food insecure places in the world. Two-thirds of the population lacks access to adequate sanitation. Out of 10.7 million people, half are undernourished and 22% of children are chronically malnourished. In Haiti, we're feeding children. $180 will feed one child for an entire year. Despite having one of the largest economies in the world, Brazil has a massive water and sanitation crisis. There are currently 3 million people without access to safe water and 24 million without access to improved sanitation. For those who have access to safe water, the supply is lacking because of the numerous deficiencies in drinking water systems. In Brazil, we're installing water filters to provide clean water. $195 builds one water filter, and in June each year, a team is sent to help deliver these water filters along the Amazon River. 5.8% of the population is considered disabled in Vietnam. For a country home to roughly 95 million, this equates to more than 5 million people. Often, those with disabilities face circumstances that make life more difficult, such as limited access to education, fewer work opportunities, and difficulty with transportation and self-care. In Vietnam, we're giving away wheelchairs. With just $75, we can get a wheelchair to a person that really needs it. If any of these offerings interested you, please consider giving this Easter to help someone in need. Alright, so, for those of you that, that don't know, um, our, Easter, our Easter Sunday, we give away everything that comes in. And everything that comes in that week of Easter. All the money that comes in, and it goes to these three missions. Uh, last week we have Steve Fitter up here, and he... Uh, talked about uh, uh, the Feeding Children Mission Work, the program that we do in Haiti. Today we're going to talk about Vietnam. Next week we're going to talk about Brazil. But this is an opportunity, church, that we have to help change the lives of people around the world. And um, so I want to enc encourage you, I want to challenge you, I want to ask you to be in prayer about how much you would like to give. Um, and, and I call this like our Easter offering giving series. So this is the time of year where we talk about giving. We talk about the laws that God has. If you remember, last week we, we started this talking about you know, everything that God created, then there's laws. laws, the law of gravity, the law of mathematics, the law of physics. There's, there's laws of nature. There's spiritual laws that God puts in his word for us. Biblical principles are what we call them. And we're looking at the laws that God has for our finances and giving. And that's what we're going to be looking at. And so for the Easter offering, that's what we do. We do $180 feeds a child for one year in Haiti. $195 provides a water filter for somebody in Brazil. Um, and we'll talk about that next week. There's a lot more that's wrapped up in that. And then $75 provides a wheelchair for somebody in Vietnam. And we're going to talk about Vietnam today. But if you are interested in how to give... There's many different ways that you can give. The first way that you can give would be to go to our website. If you go to our website, click on the missions tab at the top, then the first picture you'll see a big give here tab. Click on that and you'll be able to scroll down. It'll say Easter Brazil, Easter Haiti, Easter Vietnam. You can designate to one, two, or all three of those missions. And you can, you can buy as many things as you want. It's unlimited. So um, be in prayer for that. 
And then the other ways to give is we have uh, envelopes in our bulletin. You can put, you know, you can put cash or a check in there. You can designate whatever you want. Just write it on that envelope or write it in the memo, and, and we'll put it in, in, the, in the correct, we'll, de- we'll put it towards that mission. And then if you do bill pay, which is how I give, uh, you just set up from your bank account like you would a bill, and then the bank sends a check to the church. You can write in the memo for that. Um, and then if you do text to give and you do that the week of Easter, there's no way to, to actually designate for texting, but that's fine. What we'll do is we will uh, just split that up three ways, so it'll go to all three of them. Amen? So today we're going to talk about the wheelchair ministry, and, and just to give you a little bit of an overview of that, we have been doing the Vietnam wheelchair ministry since 2010, 13 years, and to date we have given away 7,121 wheelchairs to people in Vietnam. So, yeah. So Henry Diani oversees that, that mission, and he actually just got back last Sunday from Vietnam. So I'm going to invite Henry up, and we are going to talk about his trip to Vietnam. Thank you, sir. So Henry... Um, Something I said last week with Steve is that these, these missions, like, like you oversee Vietnam, I oversee Brazil, Steve oversees Haiti, they become a part of who you are, right? I mean, like, like this is, I know this is very important to you, and it's, it's a part of who you are. And so, so you oversee the wheelchair missions in Vietnam, and you have not been able to go since pre-pandemic, right? We couldn't get over there. So how did it feel to be there, and can you share a little something that you felt God may be doing as a whole in Vietnam, seeing as it's a communist country, is there anything that you felt like maybe was just something different than since you've been there? It was, <laughs> it was uh, pretty exciting. There's things, uh, I think what happened was they realized what happens when something like that uh, takes over a country. And um, I was just amazed how they recovered People change some sites. For instance, I think one of the things um, getting into um, it would be Cambodia. We we went to Cambodia earlier before this happened. Uh, I can tell you that um, I was very nervous. Uh, we sat there talking to some of the generals, and we just saw hate in their in their lives. And I said, mm. "Let's uh, cut this short. <laughs> we need to get out of here." And uh, somebody that was with us said, well, we got some glasses. We'll get that fixed and see what we can do. And I said, you got to hurry up. This is not going good. Uh, like four or five generals there. And I thought, they, they hate us, you know. So something changed over the years when things came back. And this is the first time I've been back with them. Um, we were put in uh, a building that had 10 generals in it now. So here we are sitting in this big building, tanks all over us, machine guns all over the place. And I said, is this good or bad? <laughs> so uh, very, very different. Uh, every general got up and spoke nice things about what we are, what we're wow. doing. And I was shocked. I'm looking around at the other guys are going, I don't know what happened. What, what changed them? So that helped us because I didn't sure, wasn't sure we can get through getting in uh, with Cambodia. So uh, we said, we're in. And what we ended up doing is it takes about nine hours to get where we had to get, to get the chairs and everything out there. 
So, uh, you know, you sleep on the bus, sort of. <laughs> you eat on the bus, you know. But we got in there, and, and that was a big thing. So once that happened, uh, the first place we got to is, and down there it's pretty, uh, not, not much money going on down there. Roads aren't down there. So we had to carry some stuff in from the road to get it to the church, to bring our chairs there, to get the things we needed. And then uh, the smiles on their face, I'm telling you, the, the, the difference was, we kept looking at each other saying, did they drink something? What, what turned them over <laughs> that fast? So uh, that was great. We sat there and uh, we had people that we put them in chairs, a lot of gravel that we had to push them through. Uh, the fun part was um, the kids, uh, we had some candy in our hands hidden behind a box and we would take one or two out and they would all hold their hands and thank us, you know, and then 15, two more would come in and then 25 more would come out of nowhere. But it turned out to be a real blessing. I mean, we, these people were hurting. They got uh, chairs. We, we got them in there. Um, I was amazed. Mm. I was amazed the change was that much in there. So either a lot of prayers that came about. So I said, wow. I said, okay, so that's a nine-hour drive getting down there. I said, we need to get something better where we can get an apartment or something there, go through all the chairs and do everything we're going to do at that one time and not have to drive back two or three times. So, uh, but still, it was still good. It worked good. Wow. That was, a, that was an amazing thing that God did. So, wait, you had to drive down there more than once? Oh, yeah. Yeah, three Nine times. Nine hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, because we, didn't, we weren't sure how it was going to work, you know, yeah. and uh, we were so surprised as uh, how happy they were having us. They were like, yeah, can you do the other one? You mean, like, ride back there and come back and do wow. it again? <laughs> so, uh, after about the third one, we knew that we were going to get it corrected. We know how to do it now because we were a little shocked at what we thought I never thought we were going to get that kind of response. Wow. So, yeah. It's amazing. Yep. That was good. So, uh, Pastor Vu, he's the Vietnam pastor over there. He yep. was here last winter. It, we have no idea what being a Christian and facing persecution is like. Pastor Vu is like a, like a hero. Like, he's, he's going to have more crowns in heaven than maybe all of us put together, you know, or, or jewels, whatever. But, but, but he oversees the mission work in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And I imagine he has a lot to do as far as, like, a lot to deal with as far as ministering the gospel of Jesus in a communist country. So, so what is it like partnering uh, with him in this ministry as opposed to partnering with the ministry here in the United States? Yeah. Um, let me think how to say this. Um, he, he is very good at training us how to talk and if we're going to sh- share things you can and cannot say. Uh, and I broke that rule twice with the words, you know, uh, using the word Jesus or Christ. And uh, I felt, okay, I'm, I'm in trouble already. And sure enough, after they got done, Vu's looked at me like, oh, no. And, uh, you know, the police come up and they talk to you and they tell you why you're doing that. You're not supposed to be saying those words. So I kind of backed off. And I said, Vu, I know you're trying to get me to learn some stuff. And I don't want to hurt anything with that, so um, I, I sort of backed off, you know. Um, things that uh, you just don't, you don't get, you don't understand that little words like that stops everything, yeah. you know. So uh, after he got me back to where I should, he, <laughs> he, me back. he had a little talk with you, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, here, here's another one that, just things like this that blew my mind was, uh, we went out to, to do some uh, work, and we were under, uh, we were on a, uh, an area where there's a Ho Chi Minh picture, big picture. They said, well, you can go inside the building like this and put the chairs together. 
So uh, who my fun buddy, Poland, and I were sitting at the same table, and all I did was I leaned over to, to uh, Poland and said, hey, we are uh, building under Ho Chi Minh. And that was all I said. We went back, got the chairs in, got on the bus, we drove down the bus about 55 feet, everything stops, 18 soldiers show up, and the general comes in. Who was, how do you say it, who was dis dismaying my, my general, or something, some word like that, meaning that I, I said something I shouldn't have. And they stopped the bus, they wanted everybody to get off the bus, and I said, stop, stop. I said, what was it? He said, uh, we want to know who was the guy that did it. And I said, okay. Got in the bus. I'm telling you, I'm, a little, my, I'm sure my boots were fraying a little bit. And I walked back out there, and I'm looking at uh, Mark, and I, I'm thinking, like, Mark, you ought to be out here. Help me, you know, but Mark wasn't, you know. So uh, the only one that really saved us was having Vu there and uh, Larry Morin. I was, on, I was outside the bus. They were ready to shut me off. And I said, uh, can you explain to them that all, it wasn't a joke? And they had to go through this whole procedure. And it just it was shocking to see somebody that can catch us do something like that while we're working to help people put yeah. chairs together. So, so we, you know, that's one of my things that I, I mark in here and say, don't ever do that again. Well, Just so Boo sent me some, he was sending me uh, pictures and videos, some of this stuff here, and uh, he sent me a set of pictures and uh, a message, you know, on Facebook, you know, private message, and he said, uh, these are pictures of, of them sharing tracks yeah. with people, yeah. you know, the, the tracks about the gospel, and, uh, but then he quickly sent another message and said, but you are to keep these photos private. Yeah. He said, I don't want you to share these on Facebook because that could get yeah. me in trouble. Oh, yeah. So, but, but you almost really got it. Yeah. Yvonne, how do you feel about that? <laughs> you know, well, here, here's, you know, think about this. I'm sitting in the back of the bus. Now I know it's me, and everybody's putting their head down, but I know they're laughing, you know, and I'm walking up thinking, I'm dead. I'm done. I'm, these guys are going to, you know, so having uh, Boo and then having Larry come in, uh, trying to explain that he made a big mistake, you know, <laughs> just getting beat down, you know, but I was happy that I didn't have to get off the bus. Yeah. You know? So we got well, back on it, and we found out this is really serious stuff. Yeah. That, we don't know who's in that place. They just want to go after him and stop him. So, wow. Yeah, that was bad. Okay, well, how about this? Can you share with us, like, um, what's the process of putting a wheelchair together um, and then giving, putting somebody in that chair? Well, yeah. Describe that process to us. Yeah, so what happens, uh, they'll come in, and everybody's on whatever boxes, uh, carriages from, uh, you know, you get a grocery store, um, wood with some wheels on it. They're all parking over there with the stuff that they had bringing their thing in. Then we come in with the, with the ones with the real jars and we bring them down there and then we have to lift them up. Well, some of these people are, are not small. <laughs> so I can say it. We, it takes two of us, sometimes three of us, to get them in that chair. Wow. And then we have to roll through the gravel, get up to the church, and then it takes us two more to pick them up and get them inside the church. And I said, okay, you know, I'm not uh, 25 anymore, you know. So uh, we got them all in, um, which was good. Nothing, no one got hurt. And then uh, some of them we had to take back out because there was too many in the church. But uh, it worked good. We did what we had to do. And uh, before that, the kids were standing there around their parents. They had a, a little folder in their hand. And I said, I got to think that's the candy thing. And sure enough, when I opened it up, they all look at you and start doing the bow. 
<laughs> they want the candies. Um, but to see them, how happy they were to see their father, wow. their uncle, going into church on the, on the wheels, and then the kids getting their food. It was, it was just incredible. It's restoring yeah. dignity back yeah, to they're, somebody. They're, they're really. nowhere down. You know? Yeah. So. so we kind of touched on this one here a little bit. Um, you were in Vietnam, and you traveled to Cambodia. Um, and nine-hour drive sometimes. Yep. What, what did a day look like as you were distributing the wheelchairs? I mean, obviously, a lot of time traveling, but uh, how? W w give us an idea of a day. You know, putting chairs together, giving them away, staying out of trouble, keeping your mouth shut. Yeah. Henry. Okay, those two we don't do <laughs> right. Uh, the other ones, and I think what always saves us is getting the wheelchairs out and people in them, and that fixes the problem we had. You know, <laughs> but uh, that's uh, it, it is a lot of fun uh, sometimes. Um, Gosh, you, you'll see things that uh, you, you realize how hard it must have been living without those chairs and, and these contraptions they had underneath the, to sit down before they got into our chairs. Um, chairs, with the, with the idea of the flatting them and, and actually folding them, we can get them in a car. So I can put three or four cars if they come in on a car. We can put two or three of them, laying them flat on the bikes that they come in. Uh, which they ever couldn't do before. Now, with the white ones, you couldn't do that because we couldn't yeah. collapse them. Yeah. That made a big, big change. So we were Very able to cool. get that done, get it done pretty quick. So just, you know, again, working with them. The, uh, the guy that we're getting the chairs from now is uh, actually he has uh, his legs. He has no legs. I couldn't show. He's the guy that's building the, the, the wheelchairs for us. And, uh, really? He is so good at it that we were able to give them some different designs that we thought would help. And one of them was not everybody is a grown-up, right? Some of these kids are in, in wheelchairs. So we had to figure out how to make these things work that we can click them up and fix whoever needed to get them in the, in the, the wheelchairs at the right length. And uh, he comes right back, and next year he's got it all done. And I said, what do you think? Oh, that's perfect, wow. you know? This guy is unbelievable. He's, he's, he's given us the cheapest price. These fold right into a flat surface so that what was happening with the white ones, we couldn't get them in the home site. So once mom or dad or whoever was in that wheelchair had to stop at the front door, they had to get out and they, that was yeah. it. They had to crawl on the floor inside the house. So we mentioned, is there a way to flatten this and fold it up? And he comes back with that when he said, there you go, wow. done. So now they get, mom gets taken out or dad gets taken out. We shove the card through open it back up again, and now he's sitting in the house yeah. with everybody else. Nice. That little thing, you know, yeah. you think, not yeah. a big deal. So what we really like is the fact that this guy is willing to listen to the things we see to make these things better, that they're more usable, and that uh, he gets it done. I don't hear anything with a price increase. He's still keeping it as low as he can. Uh, this guy is really great, mm. helping us out. Yeah, so, so, so what Henry's describing here is we've gone through a number of designs with these chairs, and originally they were, they were wheelchairs that were like the, the white plastic lawn chairs. Yeah. And then we put wheels on them and fix them, make them into wheelchairs. But now it's an actual wheelchair, and it folds up. It's about, what, about maybe eight inches wide, folded yeah. up, maybe nine or yeah. ten. But, yeah. but you can fit it through a door, and, and you know, the person has much more capability. Use. Of yeah, use. Just get, you know, thinking. Yeah. They're able to get in their house and not have to lay on the floor. That's wow. what they're saying. I'm going, wow, what? And it, it restores dignity. Some of them can get jobs now, yep. right? So, yep. so, okay, last question, Henry. So for $75, a person receives a wheelchair and finally gets some dignity. 
what does that personally mean to you? <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to tell you, I may cry, but I'm going to tell you what it was. Uh, we were, one day, we were, while we were going through this whole thing, I'm watching uh, the uh, father dragging on a rag and a piece of plywood, and two little, three little boys behind him, the son's pushing dad, because he's getting, trying to get here. So uh, they get pulled in, and uh, we put them in the chair, and the three kids jump on dad's lap, mm. screaming, laughing, having a blast, and then here's his wife behind him, Paris. So the whole family now has the wheel walking down the road. <laughs> wow. It was wow. so, so shockful to me to realize what he just got out of for where he is now in about 25 minutes. Wow, that was a shocker to me, but that was good. $75 changed that whole family's life. $75 lot. changed their whole family. So, amen. Henry, yes, thank you so much for sharing with All us. Right. Really appreciate that. Everything you've been doing. Keep that picture up for a second. So, uh, the guy in the white shirt here, that is Pastor Vu. And if you're ever, uh, you know, just praying about people, like we always have somebody we want to pray for, keep Pastor Vu in your prayers. He is ministering the gospel. He's a pastor in Vietnam. And I'm sure he would covet our prayers. I'm sure he would welcome them. He, he is a, I mean, he changed my life just meeting him, having him in front of me in person last year. And um, so he's our contact over there, and he's the one that's doing the work year-round. So keep him in your prayers. Amen? All right. So today is um, the second message in our Easter offering giving series. And here's the thing, church. I realize the economy is a mess. Well, Chip, you know, you talk about giving, and I don't know if I can do this or I can do that. Church, we can all do something with this. We can all do something, sacrificially give. Like $75 changed a man's time. Like, could you imagine having to drag your dad around and then he gets put in a wheelchair? And, and we're over here like, oh, grocery bills are sky high. And the banks, what's going on with the banks? But, you know, I don't even know. I know a little bit, but things are very unstable here. You know, as a matter of fact, so next week we'll talk about Brazil. I was talking to the, the, my contacts in Brazil, and, and uh, it was really funny because here's, here's a sentence that came out of my mouth. Well, our economy is really kind of rough right now, interest rates, grocery bills, and here's what I said. Americans aren't used to that. We're not used to fretting about our money. That's an odd sentence. But here's the thing. As Christians, we are not exempt from troubles in life. We're not exempt. Putting our faith in Jesus doesn't all of a sudden put a force field of a bubble around us that says you are now no more troubles anymore. In fact, the Bible says we will face troubles. But then God says, I will take care of you every single time. Listen to this, Psalm 34, verse 19. The righteous person faces many troubles. I mean, right there it is. But the Lord comes to the rescue each time. 
We are going to face troubles. We're going to have things happen to us. We're going to have calamities and crisis and, and financial things and, you know, whatever. But God says, I will come to the rescue every time. A phrase that we often use in our house is, it caught, us, it caught us off guard, but it didn't catch God off guard. And so we need to understand that. We need to realize that. This right here is a promise that we can trust, that we can hold on to, that God gives us. And there are hundreds, if not thousands, of promises like this in God's word that we can rely on and we can hold on to. That's why our Bibles should be marked up. We're allowed to write in them and highlight and circle things so that we can remember what God spoke to us about. And the reason God wants us to trust in Him is because He wants life to go well for us. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to have a good time in life. He planned that for us long before we were even born. But we live in a fallen world. We have an enemy, the devil, who wants to see nothing but God's creation suffer and hurt. And so there's that tension that we deal with. But God, God says, I will be at your rescue every time. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some promises of God, mostly, you know, all in the area of giving. But the bookends of the sermon are going to be the eternal promises. And then all throughout the message, it's these promises that we get when we give while we're here on this earth. And so I want to start with a passage in First uh, Peter. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The fact that we put our faith in Jesus, that we found salvation in Him, is a gift. It's because of His mercy that He has on us. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. That's the inheritance that we have. This is a promise that tells us, in heaven, we have an inheritance waiting for us that does not change, that does not decay, that is, not undefiled, that is undefiled, that is pure, when the Bible speaks of something being pure, I'm not too sure our earthly minds can comprehend exactly how perfect, beautiful, and pure that's going to be. But here on this earth, everything decays, starting with our bodies. Amen. <laughs> everything decays. How about our cars, our appliances, our homes? Everything decays. In heaven, nothing will decay. And we have an inheritance waiting for us in heaven. And I'm, I'm not exactly sure what that inheritance entails. I don't know what it means, but I do know this. When, when, when I am down, when I am bothered, when I am just not having a good day or a week, I can, I can trust in this and say, God, I cannot wait till I get to partake in what you have waiting for me. 
Because when I put my trust in Jesus and I commit to the biblical principles in God's word, I know that this is waiting for me. Because his word tells us that. It's waiting for me in heaven, an inheritance kept for us. And the thing about God's promises are there's thousands in the Bible. But do you know the most promises we read about in the Bible are in the area of generosity and giving? And a lot of been, has been distorted about that too. There are more promises in the Bible about generosity and giving than anything else. And I think the reason for this is because God is generous. Think about your prayer life. Don't we expect God to answer every prayer? And sometimes we're like, 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 okay, sometimes I have to check myself because I'm like, I, it sounds like I'm bossing the creator around. Like, will you do this and do that and do that and do that? We expect him. We know that he'll do it. For, there's something in us with our relationship with our creator where we know that we can ask him for whatever it is because we know that he is a good, good father, a generous God in heaven that wants nothing but the best for his children. We know this. He is generous, and he wants us to be like him. That's the thing. Because if we are to represent him here on this earth. Once we put our faith in Jesus, we become a representative of his. Then people need to see him in us. Because Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 tells us that. Be imitators of God in everything you do. Imitate God. The way God blesses you, try to bless others. The things that you read in his word about him, try to do that to others. And it's not easy, but people need to see that in us. And something that we looked at last week, too, is that everything we have is because of God. Everything, as followers of Jesus, we have is because of his. Our jobs, our finances, everything we have. And sometimes we're like, well, God, I could use a little better. He gives accordingly. And here's the thing, before we get into some of these promises, first of all, we need to learn to be like him in our giving. If we are to imitate him, we need to be able to give like him, be generous like him. It's hard enough to be unconditional like him. The least we can do is be generous. But here's the thing, it's the condition of our heart. It's a heart posture. The Bible talks about, we're going to look at this in a little bit. We need to give generously. God's word says, not grudgingly. Where is the condition of our heart with all of this? Because that's where it starts. Because receiving the blessings that God has for us in the area of giving is not something we can work out like a formula. That's not how it works. When we give out of the love that we have received from God, with the hope that we are a vessel to share his love with those in need. It's like this. God pours into us. We pour it out to others. We give it away out of the gratitude that's in our hearts. 
That's what I mean by a heart posture. God pours into us, and it needs to flow from heaven into us and out to others. And this is how we experience the blessings from heaven being poured into our lives. And then God is very adamant in his word that we take care of the poor, that we take care of those in need. In Matthew 25, I, I don't have a, a slide for this, but I, in Matthew 25 is, is a very telling story that Jesus says about this. And it's about, the, it's, it's about Christians at the end when we stand before him. It has nothing to do with non-believers. That's a whole separate thing. Basically, in the end, two groups of people will stand in front of me, Jesus says, the sheep and the goats in, of my believers. There's another, there's another passage where, where Jesus says, I will sort them out later. You want, you want to know why there's people in the church that rub you the wrong way? Because Jesus will sort them out later. Plus, I think he wants to give everybody a chance to kind of get things figured out. Like, we've all got rough edges and stuff. So let Jesus take care of that person as you take care of yourself with him. But in the end, there's going to be two kinds of Christians that stand in front of Jesus. Sheep and goats. And he's going to say to the sheep, I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was in prison, you visited me. I was sick, you came to see me, you helped me. They're going to say, Jesus, we didn't know that was you. He said, whatever you did to the least of these, the person who has the least, whatever you did to them, you did to me. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And then he's going to look over to the goats. And he's going to say the same thing. And they're going to say, well, we didn't know that was you. If we would have known that was you, we would have done something. And he says, away from me. There's two kinds of Christians that are going to stand before Jesus when it's all said and done with. Now, I want to be a sheep. <laughs> Those are the words of Jesus. Whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. Jesus identifies with the poor, with the needy. Remember, when Jesus walked this earth, he didn't hang out with the dignitaries and the presidents and all the higher-ups. He hung out with the hurting, the needy, the sick, because he identifies with them. How we take care of people and how we treat people is how we are treating our Creator. It's how we are treating Jesus. I want to read a passage from the book of Deuteronomy Chapter 15 says this. Now, this is God speaking to the Israelites. And so, if you're thinking to yourself, well, Chip, that's Old Testament. That's part of the law. Jesus did away with that. Actually, he did not. He said, I came to fulfill the law. I came to fulfill the law, not do away with it. So, listen to this. Uh, Deuteronomy 15, verse 10. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly. For the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. There will always be some in the land who are poor. That is why I am commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in need. He's speaking to the Israelites. He's saying, take care of everybody. There's, there's gonna, there are plenty of people around you who need your help. Give generously. Share freely with them. That's speaking to us as well. 
We may not all be Israelites, but we are human beings. And that's what this is talking about. I am commanding you to give generously to the poor. That's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not something to do to make yourself feel good every now and then. It's a command from God to his people. Proverbs 22, verse 9 says, Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. How about that? Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. As we share the love of God with our resources, with our money, God will see to it that we receive a blessing in return. He will take care of us as we take care of others. Our family, we, these, these passages are a way of life for us. And I'm going to share with you a little blessing that we received this past week. So, for those of you, and probably none of you have actually ridden in my car, because Kim won't ride in it. My kids will. So my car is an 07 Saturn View. The engine runs great. That's what I've been telling myself for a couple of years now. The engine runs great. But this past year, I put a lot of money in it, keeping it running, keeping it on the road. One morning, I got here to church, and I looked out, and the, the tailpipe on the other side of the muffler was just hanging there. So Mike Roshan is our mechanic. So I didn't call Mike. I just ripped it off. I was like, I'm done. Put money in this car. Turn it on. Still sounded good, so I didn't need to call Mike. Um, it's a stick shift. So first and second gear were out. It was third gear. But the engine still runs good. It's the one time my son never made fun of me going through an intersection, like from a red light, because you got to play with the clutch and the gas and just... I mean, people would honk at me. One, one, one day it stalled in the middle at like 8.30 in the morning, rush hours. People are honking behind me. I'm like, I can't help it. The engine runs good. The armrest fell off the seat. The driver's seat was kind of like rotten away. I mean, like I had to sit up so I didn't like lean over. And I could never take anybody out to lunch in my car because it was, it's just, it's just, you know, it was rotting away. But the engine was running good. <laughs> and then finally, finally, Ben was trying to help the old man out. He's like, Dad, you know, I was looking at some cars online and and really, you could, you could do this, you could do that. And I'm like, man, just stop it, you know. We can't get a Ferrari. <laughs> but something clicked. And here's the other thing, all right? I didn't want another car payment, you know? Like, geez, Louise, who wants another payment? But something clicked. I'm like, wow, Ben, I think you're onto something here. And so I started looking around, and I was like, Kim, I think this is kind of doable, you know? And um, so it was last Sunday. Oh, and then actually, you know, we had this challenge last Sunday. We'll probably do it again today. Like, God put a number in your head. And so we get home, and Kim's like, so what's the number? Did God give you a number? And I was like, I didn't. I haven't gotten a number yet. Did you? And she goes, yeah. And she laid it out before me. And I was like, geez, Kim, where are you getting all that money from? <laughs> but, you know, it's good. It's a challenge. And so Monday morning last week, I was online, and I, and I texted Kim. I said, Kim, I, said, I think we could do this. So I, 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 start, I made an appointment with a dealership with this one car. It was, a, I can't remember what year, but it had 41,000 miles on it, two previous owners. You know, you can get all the information now, you know, for used cars. And um, so we made an appointment. And then we got to the dealership, and then we get in there, and of course, you know, two feet in, the guy comes up, and 
And he goes, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I'm here to see so-and-so. And he goes, well, there's nobody here by that name. I said, you sure? I've been emailing him, you know, about six emails. And I look, and he goes, well, that's our dealership across town. And I was like, oh. And I looked at Kim. I'm like, well, I guess this isn't going to work out. And then I looked at him, and I said, well, how about you sell me a car? <laughs> and so, long story short, I, I got a car. It's a 2020 with 30,000 miles on it, one owner. It's like a brand-new car, and it fits perfect within our budget. And later on, I did the bills, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, Kim, we can do that number you gave me, and then some. Like, that's how God works. That's how he works. Like, like blessed are the generous because they feed the poor. See, God will take what little you have, and he'll expand it. It's supernatural. If you're not willing to give it a shot, you'll never experience it. We've had this all the time, like, like, my goodness, you know, like a washer broke down a while back. And so we're like, I don't want to buy a washer, but we have to because we need clean clothes. So we get there. We found one online for, you know, the cost that we wanted. But then there was another one that cost $1,000 that was 40% off that was even cheaper than the other one we were looking at. That's what God does, church. I'm telling you. If you press into these, these promises, these laws of giving that God has, Proverbs eleven twenty four: give freely and become more wealthy, be stingy and lose everything. That's from the New Living Translation. That's what I, I teach out of this. All this comes from the New Living Translation. See, our giving determines how much God can bless us. If you're not going to give, it's not my fault. You're struggling. <laughs> if you give freely... And challenge yourself in this. You know, tithing, we talked about that last week. You can look at last Sunday's sermon. I'm not going to get into it right now. But that's 10% that we, that we give to the church. That's, that's, that's we do that out of obedience, our faith in God. When we do that, God supernaturally just gives us more. Our giving determines how much God can bless us. The more generous we are, the more God will pour back into our lives it, because we're taking care of those he identifies with the most, the hurting, the poor, the needy, the hungry. You live in a communist country and, 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 and people are dragging you around and then you get a chair and you get some good news shared with you about Jesus. See, and here's the thing. When we learn to give like God gives, we end up with more every time. I call it God's economic plan for those who give to be a blessing. See, we don't give to get the blessing. We give to be a blessing. When you hear me say it's a heart posture, it's a condition of our heart, we give to be a blessing. We're not concerned with what God's going to give back to us. But we know he will. So the question that maybe you're asking is this, you know, questions. Will my generosity lead to better things in life? Will I prosper when I give generously? When my generosity encourages others, will I also be encouraged? The answer to all those questions is yes, because Proverbs 11.25 tells us this. The generous will prosper. 
Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. That's spiritual. You can't experience this outside of a relationship with Jesus. It's conditional. You might feel good when you give, and you, you know, that's emotional. But with Jesus, when you give, God says you will prosper. Mind, body, and spirit, like, like spiritually and mentally and, 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 and maybe even financially. But you'll be refreshed spiritually, physically, emotionally. God will pour out his refreshing in you. And I can't explain what that feels like. All I know is it's from heaven. And it's good. It's for real. God himself will encourage us. We will experience his refreshing generosity as his generosity flows through us to others. The more he pours into my life, the more I want to give it away. Because he will continue to pour. Here's the thing. If you, we are just stewards of what we have, right? The money that we have, the resources, the things, the time, the, everything that we have, we're just stewards of. And the more we give it away, God says, the more I'm going to give to you to give away. And you'll have energy for days. When we, and, and, and here's the other thing. Generosity is one of the things that unlocks the key to receiving God's blessings. Generosity, you will receive God's blessings more when you are generous with people around you, with those who need it, than anything else. And when we learn to give like God does by helping those in need. This is what I call uh, 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 living with a kingdom mindset. It becomes a part of who you are. It becomes a part of your lifestyle. When we take notice of those in need by listening to the Holy Spirit's prompting to give freely and to give generously, that is when we create an opportunity for another person to experience the goodness of God. Our giving ushers in the presence of God to people. Now, Pastor Vu is over in Vietnam, and he's kind of, I like to see him as a guy that's, that's kind of like, like he's sowing seeds throughout the year. And then when a team of Americans come in and, and, you know, I don't think you're really welcomed, right, Henry? I mean, they're, they're looking at you. They're watching you. You can't, you can't say certain things. But that love of Jesus breaks down walls. Amen. It breaks down barriers. And I call this God's economic investment plan. You're investing in the kingdom. Proverbs 19, 17, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. I mean, so this is why I put all these on, on, on one screen. You can't deny these. It's the word of God. It's the solid truth of God's word. There will always be people in need. There will always be children in Haiti who need fed. And the elderly now, we're feeding them there too. There will always be people in Brazil that will need clean drinking water. We'll, we'll, we'll hear about that next week. There will always be people in Vietnam who need put in wheelchairs. And it is our calling, it is our duty as Christians to do the work of the kingdom here on earth by taking care of those in need. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, vote the person who tells you they will take care of everybody into office. 
Nowhere in the Bible does it say rely on the government to take care of the needy. It is a command for us to give generously and to take care of those in need. It's up to the church to do this. See, when we give, we are lending money to God. And he says, I will repay you. I look at the car I'm driving tonight right now as, as, a, as him repaying me. He will repay you, church. When we give, so, so this, is kingdom, this is a kingdom-minded way of life by putting God first with our money. It's his to begin with. And when we don't hold on to it, but hold it loosely, listening, like right now, some of you might be listening to the Lord, like you've got a number of wheelchairs and maybe some children and maybe water filters. We hold it loosely because it's his. We are just stewards of what it is that he has poured into our lives. And we're all on different levels here, financially. We can all do something. When we do that, when we live like that, God says, I will meet your needs, and then some, running over, pressed down, poured over into your lap. You won't be able to contain it all. It'd be like leaving the bank with, with bills hanging out of bags, and you're just leaving a trail of money behind you because there's so much of it. That's how much God pours back into our lives. And, and, it, and it's not just all financial, church. It's, it's, it's peace of mind. It, it could be healing. It could be restoration in relationships. It could, be, it, could be, it could be protection from calamity that's about to come to your home. And God says, you gave, I'm going to protect you. It's all these things. And then one last promise we'll look at here. This is, this is a story comes out of the gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 16, and, and it's, it's titled the, the parable of the shrewd manager. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's kind of an odd story. Like, like you really have to kind of read into it to find out what Jesus is saying here. But here's the bottom line. Here's how Jesus ends it in, in Luke 16 verse 9. He says this, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, your, then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. Interesting. So what does that mean? It means that any money that we give away to help those in need that has the gospel attached to it is an eternal investment. Not only for us, but for those who put their trust in Jesus as a result of our giving. See, Jesus says... We are building an eternal friends list when we give to those in need. The money, the resources we give away here on earth and the people who become followers of Jesus as a result will be welcoming us in heaven. Like, how about this? This is where I get emotional. How about this? You get to heaven and you have a person or several people come up to greet you. And they say, you, you don't know who I am, but I couldn't walk. I couldn't get out of my hut. I was being dragged across the floor. I couldn't find a job. And then, and then 
this boo guy came and Henry and Larry Ramp and, and Elizondos and other people from the church, your church. And when I got to heaven, first of all, I was put in a wheelchair and then I was told about this Jesus and I put my faith in him. And I'm here in heaven now and, and Jesus showed me how I got that wheelchair. And you bought that wheelchair for me. You know? Or, or Haiti. Like you get to heaven and, and there's a little Haitian boy or maybe he's grown up now, whatever. And he says, you know, our country was in turmoil and falling apart and there was no safe places, but, but there was a place that said, hey, you can come get food here. What is it, six days a week, three times a day, two times a day? And while I was there eating, the gospel was presented to me. We had church. My life was radically changed. And I got to heaven and God said, you know how you got here? That person paid for your food for a year. Or Brazil, water filters. See, when we use our worldly resources to give to those in need, and the gospel is attached to it, they will welcome you to an eternal home. I don't think it gets any better than that, church. So we'll close it with this. Here's what it all comes down to, all right? Do we believe these promises of God? And do we trust God to keep his promises? And here's my challenge to you. If you struggle in the area of giving, all right, if you struggle in the area of giving, these promises, like you stiffen up and you just, eh. Let me ask you this. Did you struggle with your salvation process? Did you struggle with asking God to fix that relationship? Did you struggle with asking God to bring your spouse to church when they weren't coming? Did you struggle with God to answer your prayers? Did you struggle with God to bring healing to your family member? Did you struggle with God when you asked him for forgiveness? See, we believe God to do all these things for us, but when it comes to our giving, we struggle with those promises. And this is the tension that many of us live in. We believe in all the promises that God has for us, but we struggle when it comes to giving. And, and I'm here to tell you, church, my life alone is a testimony that giving provides not just for the person in need, but for you as well. God will take care of you. These promises that we read about today, they are for real. And when we press into them and hold our money loosely, allow God to tell us what to do with it. When the Holy Spirit prompts us, when we do that, we will experience the promises and the goodness of God that will encourage us in a way to become more generous every time it comes around for us to give. Amen? Let's pray. Well, God, I thank you. I thank you for what just took place in Vietnam these past few weeks when Henry was over there. I thank you for the children, God, in Haiti that this church provides money for so they can be fed and presented the gospel. communist country 
Your kingdom is breaking down walls of hearts. Soldiers are receiving the gospel. People are receiving their dignity. And next week we'll talk about what's happening in Brazil. I thank you, Jesus, for the generosity of this church every year when our Easter offering comes, comes around. And I just want to ask, Lord God, that you would prepare our hearts right now. And if, just if, there's somebody here that does struggle in the area of giving, I want to ask that as we move into a time of worship, that you would be honest with God about it. And I'll believe he'll speak to you. And I want to encourage you to do this. Just say, God, I struggle in this area. Can you help me? And I think, I think for somebody in here, that's all he wants to hear. Because he will help you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.